Thank you, Elaine, for playing. The last few Sabbaths we just sang a cappella without a piano. Good to have you back. And uh, Noreen for leading out in song service. This is great. Lillian, the welcome. You always just welcome us. And we're very happy to have a visitor, you've noticed. And uh, we hope and pray that you'll stay with us and have the fellowship meal together. And the food is always good and lots of it. Rodney, you did read the scripture reading for us and that was good. We all participated and it is on wisdom and it's amazing what value heaven places on wisdom. We'll deal with it more as time goes on. And Elwin, always nice to have you back here. Uh, I don't know why you said that you woke up this morning and you thought that it was Sunday. You said that, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah, and I wondered, uh, what was it? And, you know, sometimes we share confessions like that, and it makes many of us think. And I couldn't help but think of the experience that I had when I was in Ontario, Canada. And... Uh, we went to church on Sabbath, and at that time was at, I was at the conference office, so I didn't go to any other church. I decided to go to my home church. And would you believe it? We just got out of Sabbath school, and then we had church, and church was dismissed, and my wife and I, hand in hand, left the church and started crossing over to go to our car and go home. And here comes an 18-wheeler truck with a big sign that said, Ontario-Quebec Conference Moving Van. And I thought, what would a moving van be doing on Sabbath? Just after the 11 o'clock service, going right in front of the church. And as soon as we got there, he stopped to the sidewalk. He stopped because he wanted us to go ahead and cross. And I told to my wife, I says, look, please, I have to talk to him. So I looked at him and I said, hey, what are you doing driving an 18-wheeler moving van on Sabbath? He says, it's not Sabbath, it's Sunday. I says, no, it's not Sunday, it's Sabbath. So here on the Sabbath day, both of us begin to argue. And I said, no, 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 it's Sabbath. He says, don't tell me a Sabbath is Sunday. I've been driving this van all these years, and I spent all day in a motel yesterday keeping the Sabbath day holy. Brother Shepherd, that is the Ontario Quebec Conference where your dad was a treasurer at the union there, I believe, something like that. And finally I said, look, you just keep going and park down there, and I'll drive my car and I'll see you. I says... Why would I be carrying a Bible from a church on Sunday? And he said, well, you just went to a wedding. I said, no, 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 no. I have the Sabbath school quarterly here. Why would I take a Sabbath school quarterly to a wedding? He says, it's Sunday. So I said, move on, move on, go. And then I went to see him and I looked at him and I said, really? Why do you say it's Sunday? Well, he says, I did spend all day Sabbath in, church, in, in a motel yesterday keeping the Sabbath day holy on Friday, evidently. 
So when I was a theological professor, I posed that question to the students, and I said, tell me, did he break the Sabbath? It's a very interesting thing what sometimes happens to us. And you sparked that thought. And you know what? God... <laughs> but God is good, and, uh, and he understands, and sometimes some things happen. And this morning when I woke up, I said to myself, whoa, I better make sure, and it was 5 o'clock, that this is Sabbath, and I better make sure that I go to the right church, because I now have a problem to make sure that when I get out of the driveway that I am going to the right church, and I'm appointed here. So I came and I looked at the bulletin, and yes, I am the speaker. So quit. Thank you for taking off the offering. So we'll proceed. You will remember that uh, last Sabbath I spoke on uh, persecution. Who, who does the persecuting? And why do they persecute? And then who is persecuted and why are they persecuted? And you will remember that uh, some of you came and said, I've never quite seen it that way. And God is good to inform us so well on so many topics. And uh, after church, somebody came to me and said, well, you didn't stick to the topic because your topic was blessed are the forgiven. And I says, I was right on target. Because the ones that are Persecuting are not forgiven, even though they persecuted Christ and Christ said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. They are forgiven, but they don't accept the forgiveness and they persecute. And those that are being persecuted are ones that are forgiven. And if you study the Bible, it's so clear as to exactly what happened. So today, what we're going to do is deal with something very interesting. And somebody did already say, yes. Uh, it is going to be on wisdom and uh, living happy is the title. So I will clear the title immediately. The people who have wisdom live happy lives. No question about it. It is amazing how the Bible deals with, with wisdom in such a way that you and I can look at it today and say, I can't believe it. And the reading of the scriptures by Rodney, you read it so well, shows us clearly how and what part wisdom plays for each one of us. So what is wisdom? It says in the Bible, Proverbs 4, 7, wisdom is the Principal thing, top, priority. Therefore, get wisdom. That's the admonition. Get wisdom. Why? Because it is the most important thing. And the scripture reading today revealed clearly, as we read, the value that's placed on wisdom. Wisdom implies somehow the ability that a person has sort of judgment that is sound, something that 
people have and if, use it, if they use it wisely, I shouldn't say it that way, people that have will use it wisely and it is sort of knowledge with the capacity to make the proper use of that knowledge. Knowledge without wisdom just isn't there. There are problems. In fact, there are people that have a lot of knowledge, but they're lacking a lot of wisdom. So when you read, Rodney, the part that you read that uh, really struck me again, Proverbs 3.15, where it says, she referring to wisdom, is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared to her. Doesn't matter what you want. It doesn't supersede the need and the want to have wisdom. So, where do we get it? How do we get it? Are we born with it? Is it in our genes? Is it in our mind? Is it in our synapses that snap and all at once something happens and we have wisdom? Well, my Bible tells me in Proverbs 2, 6, for the Lord giveth wisdom. That's where you get it. That is exactly where you get it. That's right. That's right. That part I'll have to leave out because I added my notes a little later. <laughs> and that was, that's right. It's right on. The beginning of wisdom. But the question is, how do you get that beginning? How do you get wisdom? I just read the verse, Proverbs 2, 6. For the Lord giveth wisdom. How do you get it? It says, if any man or if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all, liberally, because God wants us to be wise. And that's in found in James 1.5. Uh, Right about now, if you were to have the privilege to ask God for something, what would it be? What would it be? I just kind of gave you a foundation, of course. But are you sure? Because there are people who are hurting. There are people who have major problems. There are people who would rather ask if you knew you would get it for whatever and that problem be solved. Or would you really honestly ask for wisdom? Which may not solve the problem that you're dealing with right now. Are you following what I'm saying? And I gave you a very good foundation as to the value of wisdom. The value that the Bible places on wisdom. If I were to ask you a question right now, and we'll deal with 
Moscow, Kiev, and those that are opposing the relationship that Moscow has with Kiev and the leader there. What would they ask for right now if they knew that what they asked for they would get? If you were in their position, what would you ask for? An army? Peace? More guns? More bullets? More control? What would you ask for as a leader? What should the leaders of this nation ask for? What should the leaders of this church ask for? And what should you and I ask for? Just think of Solomon, the king. When he became the king in 2 Chronicles 1.10, he prayed. Do you remember what he asked for? Give me now wisdom and knowledge. That's what he asked for. And 1 Kings 3.10, we're told, And the speech pleased the Lord. The psalmist had asked this thing. So God is very pleased when we ask him. But he's very pleased if we ask him for the right thing. And particularly when we ask for wisdom. And you will remember that God was so pleased that he answered the prayer. And God said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast thou asked riches for thyself. You see all the personal things? Or to get rid of the enemies or deal with them in a certain way? Behold, I have done according to what you have asked. I, and then also he says, I have given you, given thee wis, uh, a wise and an understanding heart. The Bible says that's what God gave Solomon. And then further it says, and I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked for, both riches and honor. And the reason God gave him riches and honor is because God first gave him wisdom to make sure that he knew how to handle riches and honor. Did you notice something, if you've been watching news, and I turn in to find out what's happening in the world, particularly in Ukraine right now, and you know what they have is the first thing is what's happening to some of the stars. This young guy who was found in Toronto, driving a car real fast under influence of alcohol and all. And my wife made a remark. He's so young that he isn't wise enough to know how to handle himself under these circumstances. Pride. I can do anything. You know, I, 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 I. So you understand why wisdom is such a wonderful thing. Now, it's rather interesting that Job 32.9 says, Great men are not always wise. Neither do the aged understand judgment. 
So that kind of puts us in the situation there, Elwin, where there's a time where we just don't quite have it. But when we are able to, let us deal with it wisely. So, coming back to what you just said earlier, Ellen, it's found in Psalms 111.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments, that do God's will, that are on God's side. And that's the beauty of it all. So, the beautiful thing is that there is a beginning. A person doesn't have it all at once. God leads us step by step, one step at a time. So if a man and a woman and a person has wisdom, what are they like? I think this verse I'm going to read to you, you have to kind of put more into it as you think because it kind of uses a word that is interesting. In Ecclesiastes 8, 1, it says, A man's wisdom maketh his face to shine. Uh, have you seen some individuals that the way they are, the way they are, whatever way they are, you wonder whether there's anybody home? I like what you're saying there. Are the lights on? Is the switch or the battery totally dead? And yet you find people that are the way they are, and they may not be at the best according to our judgment, but you look at them, and it's obvious that they are absolutely with it. And they're wise. Uh, you know, my father has gone to school at all. Well, just six months, enough to learn how to read just a little bit and how to sign his name. My mother never learned how to sign her name. Uh, and she never learned how to read. Uh, and I've already told you a little bit about her and her wisdom to be able to handle, deal with 14 children. And also a father who drank a lot. Talking about wisdom. And yet my father, when he began to learn the commandments, God's will, the Bible, many people said, where did you learn all these things? And he was able to apply it and make good judgments. Well, evidently the Bible tells us that there is a way to become wise, and that is without a question, according to his word, because that's where there is tremendous amount of wisdom. Did you know that in Luke sixteen eight it says, For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. What is it saying here? We're using the word wiser here. 
Why? Why would that Bible verse say what it's saying? Is anybody willing to explain that to me? Where was that? Where was that? Luke 16, 8. So what, what, what is it trying to say? Streetwise. Did you hear that sermonette? You're right on. You're right on. And this Bible verse almost makes you wonder what is it trying to say? In other words, that is that they show more prudence, more cunning, and more intelligence about their business then do Christians concerning the things of God's kingdom. In other words, the people in the world seem to get more concerned about all the things that is worldly, and they put a lot of effort, a lot of planning, a lot of money into it. And we who know that there's eternity ahead, and God is so good, and we kind of don't quite put the effort and the wisdom into planning the way the people in the world planning for the wisdom of the world and we, the wisdom of God. Well put, Rodney. And that is good. Uh, there's another Bible verse that deals with some things that is rather very interesting. Uh, and that is 1 Corinthians 2, 6 and 7. And that kind of explains about the wisdoms. How be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So there is wisdom of the world, and there is wisdom of God. And God wants us to fully trust him. And the reason we want God's wisdom is because the Bible kind of says something to us about the wisdom of the world. Uh, did you know what it says? In 1 Corinthians three nineteen, and we like to be street smart and a lot of things wise as far as the world is concerned. And yet the Bible says in 1 Corinthians three nineteen, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. So, again, here we have choices as to which kind of wisdom we want. And uh, the wisdom that God wants us to have is very wise. In fact, Second Timothy 3.16, it says, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, <coughs> which is in Christ Jesus. And that's the kind of wisdom that you and I really want. Now, why, why, why is it that that's the kind of wisdom we want? Here it says, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, 
which is in Christ Jesus. Why is it so important? I suppose because if you gain anything in this world, and maybe I can use the word, what will it profit a person if he gains the whole world? Forget a few rubies and gold. Gain the whole world and lose his own soul. What will it profit a person? So logically, you and I have to think and say, okay, now I see clearly why we have covered what we did, the way we did, and, the, and what part wisdom plays. Where do we get it? How do we get it? And uh, we get it from the Holy Scriptures and God's Holy Spirit leading us. Why? Because it leads us into salvation. And when we have that wisdom, then we can deal God-given, God's Holy Spirit leading, we can deal with the issues of life. Because we want, at the end of the road, to be saved. And in order to be saved, we have to be saved. But to be saved, we have to overcome wickedness. We have to be overcomers. That's why in Romans 12, 21, it says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So we're dealing with good and evil. We're doing, dealing with Christ and Lucifer and Satan, the devil. And we need a lot of wisdom to be able to make the decisions because God has already blessed us with that power of choice, and he wants us to have wisdom, and we ask him for it, then we can deal with it. It's rather interesting that 1 John 5, 4 says, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith, our faith in God. And you know, it's rather interesting that God has so many promises. Through Christ, there are so many promises that are made to the one that overcomes. May I share some with you real quickly? Revelation 2.7 says this. He says, To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And you need wisdom. You need to make choices to accept those promises and to think that you'll be able to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God, by having God given you wisdom because you asked for it. Verse 11 says, He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Who wants to die the second death? And wisdom tells us that Christ already has died that death for us. And if we accept it, we're saved. If we don't, we'll have to pay the price on Calvary's cross for our sins. Because it was so simply put by God that if ye don't trust me, disobey me, to Adam and Eve, ye shall surely die. So it's either or. The second death. 
Verse 17 says, To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name, written which no man knoweth, save he that receiveth it. Talking about knowledge, and then talking about the wisdom to apply that which we know to be able to be blessed with a new name. Then in another place it says in verse 26, 28, He that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him I will give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers. Even as I received of my father, and I will give them the morning star. And then Revelation 3, 5 says, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And you know what that is. Christ, his righteousness. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. That's the knowledge that we have this morning. And the wisdom is to accept these promises, to ask God for the wisdom, because there is wisdom in the world, and the wisdom that's in the world is what we must put aside and not deal with it at all. So you and I clearly see what it means to have the wisdom and to be able to overcome. There's one more, it says here in verse 12. He that overcometh, I will make a pillar in the temple of my father, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon, his, uh, upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is new, the new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Verse 21, to him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also have overcome and am sat down with my father in his throne. What promises? And a wise man will, and woman will make those choices and have these promises fulfilled in their lives. In fact, to top it all off, Revelation 21, 7 says this. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son, my daughter. What a blessing. What a blessing. And that's all because of the wisdom that God has. Well, it's five minutes to 12, and I am finished. Uh, except for one thing. <coughs> Divine wisdom. Divine wisdom is what we need. And not worldly wisdom. Because when you think a little bit about Adam and Eve, the pen of inspiration says, if Adam and Eve had never touched the forbidden tree, 
the Lord would have imparted to them knowledge, knowledge upon which rested no curse of sin, knowledge that would have brought them everlasting joy. And we are being restored back to that privilege that Adam and Eve had by being born again. And wise is a person who allows God's Holy Spirit to help them to be born again and have everlasting life. That which God planned for Adam and Eve, you and I will have that privilege. Knowledge that has no tint of sin. That's past. That's gone. Forgotten. Buried in the depths of the sea. And here we are with the privilege of having more knowledge, a better day each day, forever and ever and ever and ever. Wise is the person that chooses that type of future. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that even now you will help us to be wise, to choose to be wise, and to choose to receive that wisdom from the one that has divine wisdom. We all have learned the type of wisdom that is of this world. We want to put all that aside. And we want you to forgive us wherein we have used that type of wisdom as being your children. From this day on, we pray that you will give us divine wisdom. Help us to be wise in making the right choices. And above all, help us to accept those beautiful promises to those that overcome the worldly wisdom and accept the heavenly divine wisdom. For when we receive that type of wisdom that, that comes from you, we will retain it throughout eternity. And we thank you for that in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.